Hello and welcome to the Impact at Home podcast from us at Impact Wales. We're Finn and Jane and every week we'll be bringing you the very best professional learning to help you make an impact in your school. Hello Jane. Hi Finn. Here we are midweek today so we're on a different day when we recorded this but obviously our podcast is going to be going out at our normal time. Yes. So uh, we are also, we're in the office together. We are, which is really exciting. Yes. And there's no dog. <laughs> if you listened to our podcast last week, uh, you know the trouble we had. Yeah. But she wasn't sick after, after you know, all those biscuits, but we're okay today. <laughs> yes. And it is, uh, we have decided to start recording it midweek. So it's a little bit earlier than we would normally do because we have found that recording our podcast on a Monday morning is not such a great idea. No, we've listened back. We, yeah, we're not really in the in the right frame of mind. No, we're in a much better frame of mind, should I say, okay. today because we're in the office and we know we can have a curry half and half for lunch. Yes, and and I think that uh, you know, as as with everyone and you, our listeners will know, you'll all know that uh, we've had some down times as well. And I think that uh, we we are recognizing that we need to adapt to the emotional response to uh, the pandemic and work to a a new time frame that actually works for us and i think because spring you know the crocuses yeah. are out the daffodils yeah. a couple of daffodils out in the garden yesterday and i think the sun's been out this morning i think we're all feeling a little bit more spring-like and a little bit more positive mm. about things beginning to shift so you know we're excited so what are we going to talk about today well we've had a very interesting week haven't mm. we taught uh, you know catching up on you know it was nice to have a bit of time over half term so we did actually manage to take a couple of days off which was fantastic but we're going to really look our key theme today is about effective instruction means deeply understanding progress it does and uh we have uh had a week of listening well i've certainly been listening to uh lots and lots and lots of education podcasts from all areas of the argument so people i completely disagree with as well as people that i would completely agree with and lots of webinars as well and it's been really really interesting to see how other people do it and to see the 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 range of what's out there and it, and it's made us go back and think about our teaching career and the mm. stories and how it all links yeah. to our experience from when we started teaching mm. uh, back last century but you know it has it has been a really interesting um couple of days for us to really think and 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 I know I've I've shifted in mm. my thinking on a couple of things and I know you have as mm. well from the conversation mm. we've had this morning but it's also interesting the number of podcasts that are suddenly appearing yes elsewhere yes Yes, it's quite, we kind of had a moment, didn't we, the other day when we were thinking we are, uh, with the special episodes as well, we're probably on around about 37, 38 mm. um, episodes now, um, and we've been doing this since uh, April 17th, 19th of April last year. Well, we've, we've been doing one a week, apart from yeah. over Christmas yeah. and the half term. So. Yeah, and that that is a lot, that's a lot of experience, that's a lot of knowledge of mistakes like press record and making sure that we we do those things that's a lot of knowledge on how it works how to make sure you have a conversation about things that people want to hear about uh and that you're you're um having a proper conversation because that's something that i've heard uh, and going off our list of bullet points now something i've heard a lot of um this week when i've been listening to lots of different podcasts and i i actually listen to podcasts outside of education as well so i have a, a 
quite a lot of um, experience of being a listener and what that's like. And there seem to be um, quite a range of the way that people do it. The more professional the podcast, and I, I use sort of quotes around that, the more professional the podcast, the more it seems to be a platform for um, one or more people to express ideas rather than have a conversation. And I think that, I, I hope that that's actually not really what we're doing. We're having more of a conversation, I hope. I, I think so. And I think it's interesting to go back to when our, you know, our first mm. podcasts mm. and how different they are yeah. now. And it fits in very well with the, with the webinar we sat in on yesterday, isn't it? It's mm. our thinking has changed. And we're yeah. thinking a lot deeper about what we're going to talk about and I know and I know things have moved on mm. since April and we are all different people mm. than we were 12 months ago but I think having this conversation is mm. the one thing I've really really missed and it's fantastic this morning yeah. to be doing this face to face yes even though two meters apart so yes well. yes and it's I, I think when you listen to a podcast and you hear somebody on a platform or somebody talking about their you know their their subject and not really being challenged on that or not really having a conversation and you know being responded to in the same way as you do when you have a conversation that you're not having a conversation with them either as a listener because I think to a certain extent and I find myself doing this and I was actually shouting at a podcast on the motorway this morning is that you end up having a conversation in your head with the person that you're listening with and if if you're listening to somebody who is not being challenged it's quite difficult to listen to yeah it, it's not about giving out facts no this, this is, a conversation is a conversation between us, but also between us and hopefully you, yeah. our listeners, and the people who are yeah. thinking about what we're saying. It's a good job we don't record our thoughts before <laughs> our little our little pre-podcast conversation. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. <laughs> what are we talking today about? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. But one of the things that we wanted to do today was actually tell some stories from teaching, tell some stories from uh, when we started teaching. And we've had... Uh, two very different experiences of teaching. Um, my, my experience is um, I've been a teacher, but also a coach and a business owner. And um, it, I've had a very varied background, whereas yours is a little I, different. Yeah, I, I started my teach, teaching career after graduating from Swansea mm. in London. So I worked in London for in inner London for four years so yeah. that was it and then I came back home uh, to Cardiff or South Wales so I, I've had very much a very much different uh, yeah. perspective and um, but you know two inner cities that, yeah. I, that I've worked in so it's you know been challenging but it's been fantastic yes so the the reason that we wanted to talk about um, stories as such is because we were working with a school last week and we've got a quite a long um, period of um, we're about halfway aren't we yeah so we're doing one session every two or three weeks where we're having a, a sort of input um to a small group mm. talking about teaching and learning uh, and then we're having um we're giving them a task to do which they go away and do and then we have a kind of catch-up session at the end of the couple of hours where we talk through what they've done what they've learned uh, and the thing that really struck me about the last session that we did was that um it made me think about our role and what we do day to day, because that kind of session is actually what we would do. We would have done pre-COVID mm. much more regularly than um, possibly we were at the beginning of the, the post-COVID um, kind of the, the post-lockdown um, moment mm -hmm. is that 
I, I very much think of ourselves as teachers of teachers as opposed to education yeah. consultants. This is one thing I've really struggled with since mm. stepping out from the classroom when I left secondary school. Mm. Once you're out of the classroom, you're seen as something very different. Yeah. And I think it's taken us a while to get off. It's taken me a while, which I said about changing mm. my thinking back to I am still teaching. Yeah. I am still working with teaching and learning and pedagogy. Yeah. Even though the people, my audience yeah. are are a different audience than yeah. not children as in you know 11 to mm. 6 11 to 16 11 to 18 i'm working with mm. adults yeah. and experts mm. in their in the teaching learning community. yeah and it's funny you should say that because i'm thinking of a story that we actually don't have on our list but i'm going to mention it anyway that right back when i was 21 i had my first paid teaching job I had just finished my uh, degree and I'd done a four week teaching as an English as a foreign language qualification, four weeks to learn how to teach. And before I went off to Greece for a couple of years to teach English as a foreign language, I worked in Swansea. There was a place called the Upland Study Centre. I don't think it's there anymore, where individuals from all over the world came to Swansea to learn English and they had their English lessons there. And it was my very, very first lesson. And it was really traumatic for me because I actually... Um, I taught the lesson and I had 10 minutes at the end of the lesson with nothing to do. And so I took a, I, I said, all right, well, we could develop their understanding of verbs a bit by, by playing this game. And I played a game with the class. And after the class, um, my boss hauled me up. He said, I've had one of your students in and they didn't like it at all. This woman from Sweden who was paying money for the session and she didn't like the idea of playing games. She didn't feel it was learning, even though it was Absolutely. actually really effective in the learning. And it just made me think that actually teaching adults is in some ways much, much more demanding oh, yeah. than, than teaching Can I just say, children. teachers, you are a much tougher crowd oh, yes. than my bottom set year nine on a wet and windy Friday afternoon sometimes. And let's face it, head teachers the toughest of the tough crowd. I mean, the, the way that we as it, uh, professionals have been challenged by our, in quote unquote, class of head teachers, teachers, it really, really um, pushes us to be the, the most effective that we can be. But something that struck me about the session that we did last week was that we were using so many of the teaching techniques, formative assessments, direct instruction, modeling, uh, making sure that the knowledge was secure using retrieval practice, all of the things that you would do if you were teaching a class that we're actually doing day to day as part of our professional learning, because we truly believe that professional learning is still learning. It's not an opportunity for for teachers to be just talked at because it's that's not, not learning. It's, no, it's not a lecture, is it? It's, no. And I think if we didn't, if we, we've always talked about I don't, you know, we, we finish the session we'll go out and we'll sit in the car even yeah. though we, you know might have, in the days when you could go to sessions yeah and we'd always unpick the session that bit worked that bit yeah. didn't we yeah. always had that evaluation because I think if if we didn't deliver yeah then we wouldn't be working we wouldn't no. be paying the mortgage and it's it, it's that it's that simple yeah and I, I think that that's something that um people do forget on a, a fairly regular basis when they're talking about this this kind of awful idea of education consultants is that when you are doing this for a living and you know you're you're being paid to do this directly by the people who are accessing your your uh, support is that if you're not good enough people won't pay you mm. and if the support doesn't work if it doesn't have impact 
people will stop paying you and they won't tell people about you. And in fact, when you're working for an organization where the, you know, the support at point of um, access is free, then there isn't this pressure for, um, well, we won't get it again because it wasn't very good. Because if it's free, you're always going to say yes to it because it's free or the expectation is that you, you do take it up. But nobody has to have our support. You know, in the same way that on our Twitter account, nobody has to follow us on our Twitter account. There's nothing that we are saying that people, it's mandatory that they are, that they have to know, like say the Welsh Government Education Twitter account. You know, people have to follow that because there are edicts coming out that they have to follow. But that that's why we've always had the rationale right from day one. I'm not sure rationale is the right word. I'm sure you'll correct me on that one, Finn. <laughs> that if we don't believe it's, if it's not right, we yeah. won't do it. Yeah. Or we won't say it or we won't share it. Yeah, absolutely. And with the with in the same vein, if we feel that our thinking has changed on something, that we will say, well, our thinking has changed on that. We've got more information now and we want to address our understanding of that. And this is something that we um we were thinking about yesterday. We saw a webinar yesterday that actually helped us to slot our thinking into a much better conceptual framework it completed the jigsaw it, it was those did. couple of pieces that weren't quite yeah. in the right place or were left at the bottom of the box and it made us think about lots mm. and lots of things you know cognitive science learning knowledge uh, uh what do you call it the uh, project-based learning inquiry learning where it all learning fits objectives it. assessment it was the whole well that was the thing that i was going to talk about the learning objectives because i had a very interesting uh, interaction with somebody on twitter this morning because we were talking about learning objectives and how if you set yourself a learning objective that can't be seen can't be observed or can't be measured in some way how do you know that it's been met so for example if you said uh, the learning objective is that pupils understand what they read well how do you know how that you they've know, understood yeah. you know obviously the way to do that is to get a proxy for that learning and you say well they describe their understanding of what they've read and although there is the the danger that then the focus of the lesson is the description rather than the understanding it's the expertise of the teacher uh, the professional expertise to use the description to recognize and elicit evidence of learning of the understanding because we're never going to be able to measure people's understanding directly it's a really difficult one isn't it and I, and I go back sometimes and, I, and we talked about changing our way of thinking I cringe sometimes at some of the learning objectives that I might have set yeah. and I think you know they got You're better not with practice but they are they are quite difficult yeah they are very difficult to write and I think it was it was that light bulb moment for me yesterday when we were talking about using passive or active verbs yeah to help you shape the learning objective and I think that yeah. whole idea of let's think of using active verbs yeah that will help us think about okay how am I going to know that that learning objective has been met absolutely so we have we have really challenged ourselves and we've challenged our thinking about certain things and we've mm. we've listened to people that we don't agree with in order to understand where they're coming from and to to shape and kind of um think about the boundaries of our own understanding and i think that 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 idea of what makes you an expert what mm. makes you able to instruct others on certain things 
and the idea that an education consultant is too far away from the classroom and therefore can't can't give you information about what to do in a classroom when you when I mean we don't consider ourselves education consultants as I said before with you know teachers of teachers because we're doing it every day in a really quite demanding um, environment but the idea of what makes you an expert another story I was thinking about uh, my last teaching job was actually as a, a maths teacher uh, and an English teacher. I am a trained English teacher. I've got an English degree. I, you know, I'm multi-talented, Finn. That's what you are. <laughs> or just stupid for taking that, that option. I don't know. But um, I, I was taught GCSE maths for eight months um, because I was offered the job. Yeah, apologies, someone who seems to be emptying the office next door to us. Yeah, so if you hear banging and crashing, that's what that is. But so I was teaching maths and um, which was terrifying, um, but I seem to be managing okay. But we, we came up against the problem of uh, wordy questions in maths and wordy questions in maths, you probably describe them as maths teacher. What do you call them in maths? Questions in context. Thank you. Okay, that's a better way. Or wordy. Yeah, so wordy questions, you know, those, those kind of problems. And I was saying to my pupils, um, just, just underline the key bits. And then you can pull out the information and then you can answer the question. And they were really, really struggling with this. So I went to my maths department meeting and I just said, look, I'm really struggling with this. How do you do this? And they were sort of a bit nonplussed. I said, look, please just humor me. Can we all sit around and just do one together so I can just watch you? You can model for me how you would do this one. And they were all very kindly agreed. And we sat there. And what was fascinating is they went from reading it silently to, oh, it's about percentages. Whilst I was still reading and trying to make sense of it, because they were experts, they went straight through the reading and it was literally about two or three seconds they had the maths sorted. But what they didn't realize is they were experts in the maths, but they had ignored the fact that it was the reading comprehension that was causing mm. the pupils a problem. And actually they weren't experts in that. And it was, it was quite a revelation for me. And we then had a really fantastic discussion about um, how we could teach that in the classroom and how we could um, make sure that pupils were using their skills effectively. That, that fits in really nicely with something we were, we were talking about yesterday as well about, you know, I, I would class you as an expert in reading comprehension, mm -hmm. but that is a really good case, a really good example of mm -hmm. you didn't have the knowledge yeah to enable you to use that skill yes as as well as you would have if it had been a reading comprehension of you know a piece of english literature yeah or something about cognitive science that that is a really good point because if you think about it i i know there was a there was a, a, a one of the reading tests for the national tests in wales probably about four or five years mm. ago now was um a reading comprehension about minky whales mm. and pupils had a massive problem with this because they uh, the, they didn't understand what a minky whale was. They would have understood if you called it a blue whale or a killer whale, but not a minky whale. So they, they were answering the questions incorrectly because their knowledge of minky whales was so limited. And I think this is what's really interesting is that there are so, so few, if any at all, transferable skills because skills and expertise is actually based on domain knowledge. knowledge yeah you know that you may well be able to um, answer a reasoning problem on a GCSE paper but that's not the same as filling in your tax return you know you need to understand 
the domain the yeah. specifics of you need to have the knowledge and the facts yeah before you have the skills or to be able to utilize your skills yeah if you don't then yeah. it becomes we were, we were talking about uh, musical instruments weren't we yes. a little bit earlier that yes. you know out there I'm quite a proficient clarinet player I was in my youth and I'm um, quite a proficient viola yeah, player in my yeah, youth I can read music you yeah. know but give me uh, a piano or give me a violin yeah and I couldn't play it unless somebody gave me the knowledge. I mean, I've got, I can read music, but if somebody get, didn't give I didn't have the knowledge of how to play it and, yeah. and how to, you know, what the notes were and what, you know, this fingering was this particular note, well, then this, I would be able to do it. This is really interesting when you think about it. So, you know, if I gave you my viola and I said, right, discover how to learn the viola because you know how to read music, you are musical, you understand musical notation, you understand, um, you know, the intervals between notes and the, the you know, how yeah. the, the sound is produced and all of the really high level things vibrato all of that kind of thing um you might need some headphones then <laughs> <laughs> yes well this is the thing you know you could probably um over time you could teach yourself to a certain level of yeah. expertise on the viola in the same way i could do on the clarinet but it wouldn't be as effective and the mastery wouldn't be as complete as if somebody gave you some direct instruction gave you yeah. that knowledge and taught you how to model the process of learning in a new domain which is actually really quite close to the original domain but this is this is you know a new set of knowledge a new piece of information yeah. about how things work you need that instruction you need that knowledge and you need those facts to be able to to do that indeed and i think that you know that this reminds me of another story um thinking about you know teaching and how um you make sure that the the teaching actually the the knowledge that um, pupils are learning is actually relevant and and um useful to them uh, as somebody who is actually paid to write and this is a relatively new experience for me is something that i've only been doing for around about quite painful though, Finn, five or six years <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know the editing process can be can be really really difficult and when i say paid professionally to write you know i'm writing um articles or um pamphlets or you know i'm not writing books i think that must be and i, I actually don't fancy writing but that must be incredibly difficult but well, everyone's writing books at the moment so i don't think we need to well, we need no, to do something no. different anyway but um writing professionally and being paid for what you do taught me so much about what i used to teach as a teacher of writing to pupils mm -hmm and the value of certain elements of it. Because actually, when you're writing uh, paid, it is very much at sentence level. You know, the craft of writing, it is very much at sentence level and it's very much, you know, the order of words can change the meaning entirely in a sentence. Getting that right is so important, but you have to deeply understand the thing that you are writing about. I mean, the number of discussions I had with a particular publisher about um, oh, yes. the understanding yeah. of assessment within curriculum for Wales and how, no, they I couldn't write that because it actually didn't mean anything in Wales. Those kinds of conversations is that it's very difficult to write about the mist in the valley and what it actually looks mm -hmm. like unless you have physically seen the mist in the valley and experienced what it it feels like to you that that you know author authenticity and knowledge are really important that we should be giving children authentic experiences but that that knowledge can be um you don't have to experience 
every single little thing personally, but you have to have enough knowledge to make that skill actually work because it's it's knowledge and skills sitting next to each other. They they work together. They're not one or the other. It's not knowledge or inquiry learning. It's both. And we were talking earlier about linking this back to curriculum for Wales and co-construction and mm. how and you know how schools are going to tuck us. I, I go back to when I moved back from London, I moved back into Cardiff. I remember my, the, the week before school started going into school and I asked the head of department, um, you know, schema work, you know, schema learning. Yeah. And I was given the textbook for each year group and the schema learning was the contents page. This wow. is how this is how far back we're going, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the, the scheme of work for uh, September, mm. which was great. <laughs> so and it's and it took time and yeah. eventually I was in the, you know, not well, not very long after fairly long after fairly shortly after that, I found myself in the position of the head department because the head department gone. And which was ridiculous mm. because we had nothing to work with. So that whole idea of co-construction, working with the team together to develop a scheme of work that everyone was was buying into. This is the days when we could yeah. write our, you know, it was early days of national curriculum. And we began to structure together what we were working with. And over time that was developed. Mm. But one of the key learning points for me, I think, was being able to go in and work with staff mm. Um, and see how they were taking the curriculum that we'd written together mm. and how, what their individual mm. take was it because it wasn't that prescriptive mm. and things seeing some of the things that I'd written and how they were being delivered and changed mm. was really empowering for me because it made me sit back and think oh yeah that's not quite right mm. or I want to change that or, mm. and it, having that that everyone buying in and being mm. able to, to develop that was a really really powerful thing and I think that's something that schools are um in the enviable position if they had the time yeah and the space to be yeah. able to do that the whole idea that everybody understood the 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 learning journey the path yes that, that pupils were going to follow because they were part of the writing of yeah. the curriculum yeah and this is the point isn't it is that the knowledge that teachers need is not just the knowledge of the mathematical concepts that mm. they need to be teaching but how the learning of those concepts yes builds one yeah. on another that, that you, there are building blocks of understanding of knowledge that need to be in place for pupils and how pupils make sense of those and how they build and I think this is where when we start to look at curriculum for Wales and we start to think of uh, the curriculum design process that that the curriculum design process itself is a knowledge-based endeavor that it, it is something that that teachers need support and teaching direct instruction on how to manage that process, but also the process of developing a curriculum in your school is something that needs to be worked on together, but is really quite a large job. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to say this kind of, um, with some kind of circumspect here, it is, it is an enormous task for uh, teachers to take on, and it isn't something that's going to happen in the 18 months that are left but there are some some clear curriculum design processes mm. that need to be understood prior to developing a curriculum that will ensure that that curriculum is appropriate for the learners in that school but also aligns with uh, the way in which human memory learning yeah. the the learning uh, process actually works 
rather than our assumptions about the learning process. And, it, and it's not just um, exposure to ideas, it's no. really enabling pupils to have opportunities, you're thinking about science of learning, opportunities to really create those um i think what, what we call episodic memories yes. and, and and concepts and ideas that they can then make the start to make those connections in their brain mm. and come back to it at, at a later mm. date and think oh, okay let's i've got that concept how can i put all my all these little bits of information together mm. all these concepts together to be able to use them in the in the the way that I want to use it in a deeper sense, deeper yeah. learning sense. Yeah, and when you think about um, a, a single piece of knowledge that anybody might have, for example, how to construct a sentence, when we're talking about teaching that kind of concept to foundation phase pupils, how to construct a sentence, what's included, why is it included, how does it make sense? It can seem really, really kind of straightforward, but then if you go right through to, say, degree level and you're looking at how a sentence is constructed and all of the different variations and how, for example, James Joyce might do it in Ulysses or Finnegan's Wake, you know, where it isn't it's almost not a sentence, uh, but the rules have been broken in an artistic way that that these that you're constantly refining what may seem quite simple knowledge. And it's not and you're building on that uh, refining and you're building on your understanding. So curriculum design is something that is actually a highly expert process. And it's not something that just that you can, you know, you can do an inquiry into and then learn about it. Yeah. You know, this is there was a there was a quote I heard yesterday, which just struck it home for me. It was what you were talking about creativity yeah. as if you don't know the rules, you can't break the rules. Pablo Picasso, yeah. So learn the rules like yeah. a pro, and then break them like an artist. Yeah. And it, it is it absolutely is. true: is that you need that really solid understanding of how things work and fit together, so that you can be innovative, and actually break some of the traditional conventions in order to make a new statement about something. I mean, the classic case is on on Twitter. Who's who's the completely forgotten one? Bill Bryson. Yes. His, his poems are just... Oh, no. Brian, Brian, Brian Bilston. Brian Bilston, yes. Very funny. See where my brain's gone today. You know, and yeah. he he clearly knows the rules in what he's writing. Yes. Because you can see he's broken them all, but yeah. what he's written is just yeah. spot on. And if we're going back to the expert, you know, there's there's often people... You know, there's, there's these kinds of um, discussions about things like, oh, well, we don't need to teach pupils grammar. We need uh, pupils to, you know, feel the language and be creative mm. with it. But you can't be creative with something that you don't fully understand. Mm. You have to have that that grounding first. And yeah, we wouldn't want pupils to be sitting there just naming things. Mm. We want pupils to deeply understand the conventions, the connections, and how everything fits together, so that they can put it together yeah. in their own shape. Yeah. Jazz. There well, you go. Exactly. <laughs> and I think the same rings true for professional learning. You know, if we're thinking about the, the knowledge base of um, of pedagogy, mm. what does that knowledge base include? And I, I, I would like to congratulate the two of us for being willing and open to look at other points of view yeah. and to listen to things that we disagree with originally, just to, just to kind of 
to get the full understanding of the full wealth that's out there. And I think we can't be in a position where we um, we are using a strategy with professional learning that we already know has significant limitations with learning in the classroom because learning is learning no matter where it happens yeah. it's just at a different level of complexity yeah and, and you know there's lots of things out there that work in the right context yeah but they're ineffective in yeah. the wrong context and it's having that understanding of when is the right time yeah. to be using retrieval practice and, yeah. and this when is the right time to be doing um speeches and to be you know to writing and giving speeches and I think there was mm. something something yes again that, that hit home is is when you do a PhD yeah oh, you yeah. have to do a viva a viva yeah because that's when everyone will really get to the tries to break go to the limits of yeah. what you're trying to talk about to get to that understanding yeah and writing a paper doesn't necessarily no. show your understanding when you have something that's pre-prepared and you can think about it and you can make corrections and uh, refine things as you go it's not as deep an understanding mm. as when you're challenged on the spot and you have to make those connections and articulate really clearly what you're what you're thinking about because we know that the language you use to speak is the language you use to think so speaking is much, much closer to thinking than, than yeah. writing is. So if we can get, you know, if we can use strategies like elaborative interrogation yeah. in professional learning, yeah. if we can use strategies like retrieval practice and, you know, making further questions and asking how and why questions and getting those, the structure of the learning process really accurate for professional learning, really effective, for professional learning then i think we're in a much better yeah. position i'm just it's about exploring the boundaries of those concepts isn't it that, that people have got it is and i think this is this is where a lot of the work that is being done in professional learning in schools at the moment i i am concerned about some of the the work that's being done on professional learning because i feel that it's work that hasn't had the impact that the teachers want it to it's have not deep enough no, it's not deep enough. And I think they've, they're possibly going to level two before mm. they've done level one. Is, you know, if you're asking yourself an inquiry question about will, will retrieval practice improve standards in my classroom? Well, there's an awful lot of research out there already mm. that says retrieval practice does do that. So why are you doing an inquiry question that does that? Is it to do the inquiry? Then why aren't you doing a PhD? You know, if you want to improve your practice, then maybe asking something much more um, detailed about retrieval practice, which type of retrieval yeah. practice is most appropriate for this particular concept. But in order to ask that question about retrieval practice, you have to really fully understand retrieval practice mm. in the first place. You have to understand all of the different types of retrieval practice, what they um, give you, what the issues are with them, how people feel about them, how they work, before you can decide what the inquiry question is and it's it's this idea that knowledge is the basis for critical thinking mm. and i think we've had an awful lot of critical thinking this morning we have my brain does hurt just a little <laughs> bit this morning because i've only had one coffee yeah okay well with, well with that in mind then uh, i think we've told quite a lot of stories this morning i think we can we can leave it there and we can come back yeah. to this question a little I, th point. I think we need to come back to some more stories though finn i mean as you as you start to in your memory make those links and go back and think about the stories mm. we tend to think of others 
and you know you, you know we've moved on since then but it's nice to reminisce and think about yeah some of the things that that have shaped us into how we work now and, and the yeah. people that we are yeah and the, the the learning that we have had um in the past it's you know just because you have um had some experience it doesn't mean to say that the learning has been has been there and I think that you know thinking about the stories of your past and the learning that have come from the stories of your past is always really really useful but we are seeing this so much more you know as we are developing our professional understanding of what professional learning looks like and how it best should work and also where pedagogy sits in that we're looking back on our own teaching careers I know I am and going well I always did it that way and I wasn't quite sure why I did it that way but now I under fully understand why I did it that way yeah. and I explain that to somebody yeah. else yeah there are times though I do back and, and think back at oh I did I did, did it that way maybe <laughs> yes. I shouldn't have done it that way <laughs> yeah but it, you know it's all about the evaluation isn't it it's about thinking yeah. about reflection you know, reflection with, with different people now to where we were yeah. then and I was a different person mm. you know in the in the when I started teaching yeah. than I was 25 years later when I was still teaching but you know but that is that is the right way of things you know there there is a process you have to go through those steps before you get to a point where you you have the knowledge the the yeah. understanding and the depth of um, that refinement of, of your thinking mm -hmm. that you can actually um, use that effectively in a new, in a new it's, it's transfer how, that it's how, sorry I'm keeping on now because my brain is thinking it's how many times have you I could go back and remember teaching a particular topic mm. and I you know you've taught it so many times to different yeah different year groups and different ability groups and you think I've done it differently every single time yeah because I know that didn't quite work or you know this this group of people and you get to the point where you know yeah which is the best way to teach something even though the concept is the same yeah you will approach it in so many different ways and I think that's the thing that we've got and, to with professional learning well this is it yeah I mean we always say that we we never do the same um the same session twice and in fact we we do do the same concept yeah but we never do it the same, way, the same way because we're always working with different people who have different experiences who have different understanding we always need to you know help them to plug the gaps in their own understanding or refine a, a, an understanding of something so bespoke it has to be professional learning I think yeah. always has to be bespoke in the same way that when you're teaching a class you're always personalizing it to that yeah. class and to individual learners yeah. sometimes I know, I know we've we've come under a little bit of flack from some people over the assessment webinars we've done because we've capped the numbers yeah on you know a certain number so we don't make it too much can i just say gun. that somebody did say um well this was an online course so how could you run out yeah. of tickets but uh, but the whole reason is that we want it to be a small enough group we want to teach yeah so we can have it's not a lecture it's a it's yeah. a we, we it's can't a conversation. you can't teach a hundred people whether it's online yeah. or not it's, it's impossible to teach we want to teach and actually have a conversation and to do some formative assessment and to understand where people are and to adjust what we're doing during the session, just like a good teacher would, um, in order to make sure that our sessions have yeah. impact. And that means that we can't make as much money. No. I mean, I but have, that's it. That's yeah. OK. You know, money have, is not that yeah. important. I have sat on some 
broadcast webinars where I've been cooking tea at the same time. They tend not, not to be the better And you don't listen. No, and that's something that we don't, we feel that we don't want to, yeah. to do. And that's one of our key focus points, isn't it? That we want to be as accessible and as have as much impact as we possibly can. Because that's yeah. that's why we chose our we name, do. and I and we and we live by it. Yeah, yeah, we live by that. You know that we are constantly thinking, yeah, but did that have the impact that we wanted it to have? And if it didn't, we will walk away from uh, doing it again, or make sure that we, you know, the next time that we do it, we change it so that it mm. does have the impact. But we we are getting very quite excited about the whole um, area of assessment that we're going to be looking at over the next yes. couple of months. So yes. we've got lots coming up which is really we have really some good. very very uh, exciting news that we're not quite ready to share just yet hopefully in the next week or so but we are going to be uh, we've got some very exciting uh, news to share uh, some events to share with everybody that hopefully um will widen and broaden the knowledge base of everybody yeah so there look out for that yeah we will speak to you again soon let's hope that the return of pupils has has been going smoothly yes. this yes. week yes. and that it does now over the next couple of weeks and we do we really do feel for everybody yeah. out there which is one of the gifts that we shared on twitter this week yeah. yes yes look after yourselves absolutely and we will talk to you all again soon take care bye thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes you can find us online at www.impact.wales you can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Impact Wales, on Facebook and Instagram, search for Impact Wales, and on LinkedIn, search for Impact School Improvement.